to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. everyone in this room knows who I am, but I'll say it anyway. I'm Barbara Shipley. <laughs> and just for the record's sake, the scriptures I have are from the New International Version. In case your Bible's a different translation, it's to me it's the same meaning, but I understand if you think, wait, mine doesn't say that. Well, that that's the version that I have. Okay. So, first I just want to say a little prayer, Lord. I just pray that you would use me this night to say what it is you would have me to say, to touch the people that need to be touched, and to help each one of us to grow, because as long as we're breathing, we're never done growing in you. Help us, Lord, to be the witnesses and the vessels you want us to be to lead others to you. So I just, I give you thanks and I give you praise for the things that you tell me, and I pray that you will help me to present it to others, and I thank you, Lord, that you're helping me to grow every day because I certainly haven't arrived yet. But I give you all the praise and glory, Jesus, in your name, amen. amen. Okay. When the Lord downloaded this teaching, I didn't know how it would fit into the most recent teachings in our church. A few weeks ago, we got a teaching on the prodigal son. It has many valuable teachings in it, and I think the most obvious is that it's a subtype of salvation and God's undying love and patience for us. Then we got a teaching on the fruits we are producing. Once we are saved, we should be hungry for the word. If we're listening, reading, and most of all, doing the word of God, then we should be producing godly attributes, a.k.a. love, patience, kindness, goodness. It's good fruit. Fleshly and unsaved people tend to produce bad fruit, a.k.a. selfishness, greed, hate, and anger. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of that around. I think any common-sense person would agree that godly fruit tastes sweet, but fleshly fruit is bitter and rotten. And if you don't think so, hang around somebody who's angry and sour all the time. And it's really hard to hang around that very long. Then we got a teaching, or preaching, maybe I should say, thanks to Miss Latasha, on we believers being the salt and light in the world, but also in our everyday environment. We also received a prophetic word that the Lord is increasing the gifts and power in his anointing this year for his glory. The darker the world gets, the brighter we should shine for him. So now I understand why God gave me this teaching at this time. He actually gave it to me a couple of months ago. I've been sitting on it like an egg. <laughs> and told me to write it down, but I didn't know why at the time. I thought it was just for me because I was searching myself. I believe the things God has in store and wants to do through us is going to require total obedience and determination to do what he says, even if it's uncomfortable. I'll talk to myself, even if it's uncomfortable. <laughs> 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 
We have what all of humanity should want, but are we shining as the light of God in us should? Or are there things maybe in the way that are not very appealing to others or things that may make people think that God's word isn't true? The problem with any of us is never at God's end, never. He patiently waits for us to wake up and get a clue. Having said all of this leads me to the title of my next teaching today. And it's titled, It's My House. What comes to your mind when you think of a house? I think of it as a place of shelter, comfort, relaxation. Houses come in different sizes and colors. Some look a little more extravagant than others. Some are very well maintained and some not so much. Most people put time, money, and energy into their house to make it into what they want it to be. They may paint it, repair it, remodel it, and maybe even add on to it. Their sense of ownership and what is theirs causes them to want to protect it from invaders or damages of any kind. We as a people have the right to protect our house and choose who comes into it. Now think, if you will, of your body as your house. You are a spirit, you have a soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a physical body. Many things in life can and do come against your body. Whose job is it to protect it? I say yours. Every day that you are on this earth, in your body, you are in a battle. Why do you think that God tells us in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, to put on the whole armor of God? Now, you can turn there if you want to, because I'm going to read it. That's Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So you might say, but that scripture is about a spiritual battle, not a physical one. I believe it applies to all of you, spirit, soul, and body. When you gave your heart to Jesus and entered into his kingdom, he promised you that you would have life and life more abundantly. And that, and that would be in John 10 and 10, which says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The thief, of course, is the devil, and obviously he can't steal something you don't already have. So peace, joy, prosperity, health, love, and goodness are already yours because God's word says so. It's your inheritance from him. Now, it, you might want to check out Psalms 103, 1 through 5. I have this one on my mirror at home. It's too good not to stare at. 
Okay. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. I love that word, all, don't you? Who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You might say, well, the Bible might say those things, but I still have all these problems. God didn't say the problems wouldn't come your way. I didn't hear that in that scripture, not one. But he did promise you that he would never leave you and leave you and through, and because of him, you have the victory. Hebrews 13 and 5, and that's the scripture that tells you that. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never get a hold of that one. I've had to think on that. There's sometimes if I were him, I would have left me, but he didn't. (laughs) If you're having a problem with your house, a.k.a. your physical body, Jesus already took care of you in the atonement on the cross. You might say, yeah, I've heard that before, but I'm still having this sickness or physical problem. And by the way, sadly, there are some churches out there that still don't teach that it's in the atonement. I've I've been in a body of believers before who I was point blank told that they thought that healings died out when the apostles died out. And that it's just God's choice if he heals you or not. Okay, I won't bunny trail into there. (laughs) Well, I can tell you what I've learned and then you can decide for yourself. I know that we are creative beings with our words. God said in Genesis 1 and 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. That's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who said that. When God said, let there be light, there was light. When he said, for the waters to part, they parted. And when he turned darkness into light, it it, it happened at his word. So we are made in his image, so when we speak word, we create our atmosphere as well. God created everything you see by speaking his word. You are created in his likeness, and therefore you get what you say. God gave you the authority in your life to speak to things that come against you in his word and to fully expect and believe in faith that what you say will happen. This is how we overcome any attacks of the enemy. And it tells us that in Revelations 12 and 11. You can go there if you want to. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. How did they overcome? That cute little thing on their face called a mouth. They spoke the word over it. I know, too, that some things are an attack of the devil. Some are dumb decisions that we make, and some are a person's choice to give up. If it's an attack of the devil, you can boldly speak to your problem. Yes, out loud. And yes, I had to work through that one when the Lord told me to speak something out loud. I was embarrassed. I thought the people are going to think I'm nuts. But when I was obedient, did what he said, I I got the healing. Tell it the word. You've been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus, and you've been redeemed from the curse. You don't have to pay for something that's already paid for. Tell the devil he has no rights because he doesn't. Tell him to get out and off of you in Jesus' name. Believe it when you firmly say it, and he has to go. 
Know who you are in Christ and stand your ground. It's your house. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20, It tells us, for you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, that's difficult to do if you're not well, because you want to give him glory, but your physical feelings take over how you want to present yourself sometimes. So this is why there's a problem in not just unbelievers, but in believers as well. I've seen it. I don't know if you have, but I have. Galatians 3 and 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And I do believe my Lord and Savior hung on a tree. So he became the curse for us, so we don't have to. Now this all may sound like redundant to some of you because you've heard this so many times, but this is going somewhere because some people don't even know this part. I was in a church that didn't know. Psalms 107, 1 and 2 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And I can tell you that's one of my favorite things to do when a symptom hits me, and I know it's the devil, and I know I haven't done anything wrong. I just out loud sing that I've been redeemed from the curse of the law, and I start singing it around the house. I don't care what my dog thinks. I don't care. I just do it. And, and I can tell you there have been times when the symptoms just left immediately. Now, there have been times when it didn't leave immediately and I had to stand, stand my ground. That's when it gets a little more difficult because that's, well, you know, that's when little voices say, oh, you're really not healed after all. See how you feel? You know, liar. Okay. So we are under God's protection when we follow him and do what he says. You know, I'm reminded of Mary at the, Miracle of the wine, when Jesus changed the water into wine, and she looked at the servants and she said, whatever he says, do it. Well, you know, that's, that's a simple command, but as believers, whatever he says, we need to do it. Even if it doesn't sound right at the moment that he tells us that sometimes. You might say, well, I did all of that and I'm still having a problem. Well, I'm not condemning you, but you might need to ask yourself and give an honest answer to the question, am I living according to God's word? Or am I choosing to live in sin? Now, nobody likes to talk about that anymore. I don't hear churches talk about sin very much anymore. And we're in the year 2023 now, and they think that God has changed his mind and slacked on the rules, and they can just do what I want, and maybe nobody will notice, or maybe he won't care, or maybe he just loves me so much that he's okay with it now. He didn't change. His word is the same no matter what year it is. And sometimes it's not comfortable to say that. Sometimes people just flat out don't want to hear that because they want to continue in whatever it is that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. Okay. God always loves you, but sin has to be dealt with by confession and true repentance to allow God's promises to manifest and flow. If there's sin in the way, quickly repent and confess it to God. In 1 John 1 and 9... He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You notice the word if. If we confess our sins, well, first you have to admit that you are sinning to confess it. And then you have to be willing to humble yourself enough to confess it. Okay? And then he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. 
Now, yeah, I'm still working on this one. It's hard for me to imagine some sins that he forgives because they are just so horrendous. I think that one, Lord, you would forgive that one, but he really would. Yeah. Sometimes our problem has nothing to do with the devil or God. It may be something we're doing to our body ourselves. If you don't know what it is, ask God. He really wants you well and blessed. He will tell you what to do if something needs changed. Could be something as simple as drinking more water, eating less of something or not eating it at all, getting more rest and so on. I recently had a skin problem and spent two months trying to clear it up. Now, confession time, I didn't ask the Lord first. (laughs) That wasn't very bright. Thought I could do it on my own. Okay, two months into it, I'm pretty tired of it by then. And I finally did what I should have done in the first place. I went to God and asked him what to do. So there was two months of frustration. But when I asked him what to do, he gave me an answer, and I did it, and it cleared up in a couple of days. I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't buy special things. I just did what he said. And it was so simple. I wouldn't have thought of it on my own. That's why I know it was him. Like, really? Okay. Now, there's another one. I recently had a problem with waking up in the middle of the night with a numb hand. I thought I just slept on it wrong, and I tried to shake it back into circulation, and it didn't respond very well. I was able to fall back asleep, and when I woke up, it still wasn't right. It did a little better during the day, but the next night, it acted up again. Now, you know what the enemy does. He starts talking in your ear. Oh, my God. Maybe you have diabetes. Oh, maybe your hand's going to fall off. Oh, maybe you'll never be able to feel things again. Liar. Okay. So I asked the Lord to heal my hand. And as fast as I said it, he said, eat less sugar and drink more water. (laughs) Yes, I'm a little embarrassed, but that's what he said. Now, mind you, this was the day after Christmas. I know I had too much sugar. And I had more sugar than usual. So I did what he said, and my hand's happy again. (laughs) So sometimes we can do something simple and get a great result. Now let me say, I'm not against going to a doctor before anybody wants to come hit me up here. I'm not against going to a doctor, okay? If you want to, sometimes doctors can give you good advice on caring for your body, but don't forget that you are unique. God knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows how many cells you have in your body. He knows every detail about you. And he says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and he is the great physician. It's okay to go to a physician, but you know what somebody said one time? They're only practicing medicine. (laughs) Jesus has it figured out. Okay, so sometimes when we're fighting a problem, when we speak God's word against it, it goes away instantly. Other times we have to stand in faith, or God might even tell us to do something different. The result is still the same, healing. So don't get upset with that if you, if you ask, if you believe God for your healing and you're speaking the word and all of a sudden nothing seems to happen. It's like, what happened here? I thought, thought this was supposed to work, you know? It does, but there's more into it when you really start searching and asking. You see, I made, I don't call it a mistake, but I made the the decision to ask God a question and earnestly wanted the answer, and that's when he opened this whole big pile of stuff to me. He said, okay, you asked, good, I want you to know. So, So, 
When you read the Gospels, you will notice that some people saw their healing instantly, and others were told to do something first, and others went through a process first, but again, they all received their healing. Now, I'm not telling you it's by works. You're not getting healed by doing works. He already paid for it for you. Sometimes there's a path that he wants you to take to get the end result. So don't take me the wrong way, okay? Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read that one. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. I see modern-day people doing similar things, too, standing on corners with buckets. You know, They don't even look, un they don't even look un unwell, but I don't know. Okay, who, this man, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I, what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement of what had happened to him. This guy received an outright miracle instantly. And that does happen. I, you know, uh, My mother-in-law said she saw someone's leg grow out right in front of her. So you, sometimes miracles will happen right in front of you. This was an outright miracle because if this person was born that way, you know he had no strength in his, his feet or his legs because he never walked on them. Muscles need to be used to gain the strength. So that was an instant one, okay? Then if you go to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 14... You know, Jesus said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. These are believers. These are his kids. These are covenant kids. They should not be perishing before their time when he's already paid the price. So it's because they didn't know. Okay, so 2 Kings 5, 14. Now this is uh, Naaman with the leprosy. Okay, leprosy was incurable at the time. People had to stay away like you were obviously a disease they couldn't get near you because it was contagious and let me go up a little further though I probably should start a little earlier on that one okay let me just quickly read from the from the beginning just bear with me okay Naaman commander of the army of the king of Syria was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria he was also a mighty man of valor but a leper and the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive in 
brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife, so she was a servant girl. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Love this girl's faith, don't you? And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. He's making sure he didn't stink. Ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? You know, he's like, I, I don't heal. I'm not God. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So he was going to make sure that, that he knew that God was real, basically, that he's going to do it. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and, and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Now, for what it's worth, these are the people who want to plan how God heals them. Okay? It's well and good that they want to do that, but that may not be the, the route that God wants to take. And so that's actually pride when they do that because they think they know better than God how to do it. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now, I don't understand, I need to study some more, why he had to dip seven times. I know the number seven is significant to God, so there has to be a reason it was seven times. But I can, I can see how Naaman would tilt his head. Like, he not only wants me to go to this river, but he wants me to do it how many times? But when he did exactly what God said, he got it. But now here we go again. He did not get an instant in your moment healing. God wanted him to take a path to get there. Okay? I can't underestimate the power and results of the words you say about and against your problem. Your eyes need to stay on Jesus, his word and his promises, and not on the problem. He's definitely bigger than any problem you have. Every time I looked at the rash, I thought, is this ever going to go away? And then I thought, I better stop saying that, because yes, it is going to go away. And by the way, uh, I said to the Lord, I said, I, I started speaking his word, and then I said, thank you for healing me, and thank you for giving me brand new skin. And, you know, within two days, everything cleared up, and I had skin better than I ever had before it started. I had the most beautiful skin. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. And I was praising him, but did I get what I said? Yes, I asked for brand new beautiful skin, and that's what he gave me. 
So I'm just saying your words do count how you present things, how you say things, even to yourself. Because I've caught myself saying negative things and had to say, you know, repent. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Okay. So don't forget that greater is he, the Jesus, that is in you than he that's in the world. I have to, I've had to learn, too, that sometimes people you pray for don't get healed. This is a hard thing for me to swallow because I totally believe God at his word. His word is true. He never lies. I know it just as sure as I breathe. But there have been people that I have prayed for that, that they died. I'll just tell you they died. And I didn't understand. His word is always true. But God had to show me that each person is given the gift of life. He lets each person choose what they want. Remember he said, I, I hold before you life and death. Choose life. I love that one because he gave us a test and gave us the answer first. No, no curiosity what the answer was. I'm not saying they don't want to be healed or that somehow they wanted their problem. God wants us to choose life and wellness. And Deuteronomy 30, 19, and 20 pretty much says that. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the, the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So there's no doubt about it. He wants you well. He doesn't want you to anyone to be sick or hurt or or unwell in any way it's his will and why do I say that because I've been in churches before that said it wasn't they've said to me you know well it might be his will but it might not you know sometimes he just wants you to learn something you know or or maybe he's just you know maybe he wants it to be an example not okay so I'm reminded of a time when I prayed for my mother to be healed, and she died. I was angry with God. I didn't understand, but he lovingly explained to me that her words were telling him that she didn't want to be here anymore. And I didn't know that until my brother-in-law told me that. He said, well, do you know what she's been saying when you weren't here? Because, see, she didn't want to say it in front of me because she knew I was praying for her to be healed. She said she wanted to be done, and he honored her choice. I can't stress that enough. He honored her choice. It's not because he didn't love me. It's not because his word is not true. It's not because I didn't have faith and I wasn't standing on it. It's because her life was her life. It wasn't mine. And it was her choice to come before him and, and either speak his word and, and fight for it or just say, I'm, I'm done by. Okay? He gave each one of us our lives and the ability to choose. There are also situations with people, and that is simply their time to leave this earth. If they've given their hearts to Jesus, asked for forgiveness for their sins, and confessed him out of their mouth, then they are with him when they die. If they have not done that, then salvation is more important than any physical thing they may be going through. So let me pause for a moment here. Before I end this message, I know it's not popular, but I have to mention the sin factor. I'm not saying you personally deserve sickness in any way. God is a loving God. He wants you well. If you go on to be with him in death, then he can't use you on the earth for his purpose and glory. So I'm not condemning anyone, but search your heart and get honest before God, and if there's sin in your life, 
confess it before him and stop doing it. You may say, what's that got to do with God healing me? Well, you know me and my walks with my dog. The Lord said to me recently, my people need to come clean. And I wasn't sure what he meant, but he always tells me right after he says it what he means. So that's what he meant. There are, there are believers who, you know, the worst person to lie to is yourself. It's bad to lie to other people. It's, it's, it's well, it's just quite stupid to lie to God because he already knows. But, but to lie to yourself, that's worse because, you know, you're really only hurting yourself in the end. And, you know, you're not being honest with yourself. So you need, to, you need to be honest. This is what he told me. They need to be honest, contrite, and willing to be obedient to his word. He's not going to change his word so you can continue in sin without consequences. And I'm not pointing fingers because I, you know, I certainly haven't totally arrived, okay? I need help all the time too. But there are people out there, I, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but there are people that I have come in contact with that, that are, well, they're not married and they're sleeping together. And then maybe they have children. And then maybe the children start having problems. And maybe they start having problems. And they don't admit to the fact that they started out the wrong way. Because, you know, they put the cart way before the horse. (laughs) You you know, I mean, it sounds so old-fashioned, people like to say. But God told me one time he's never out of fashion. He said, Barb, I'm never out of fashion. And so he said to get married, then have your children. And his blessings will be upon you. He said he blesses the marriage bed. He never said he blessed the fornicator's bed or the adulterer's bed. I, I know people don't want to hear that today, but that's, that has a lot to do with a lot of the sicknesses in the world. And sadly, it's, it's, it's in the church a lot too. I know, you know, the church is loving. They want you to come to him. They want you to hear the word. They want you to know the truth. But I thank God for Pastor Tom who will stand up and tell the truth because a lot of pastors won't. They skirt right around it. And, and that has to, and I'm not going to say a lot, but that has a lot to do with certain lifestyles, shall we say? You know, if, if God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, then how do you figure he's changed now? He always loves the person, but the sin has to be dealt with, okay? So you can't continue in your sin, and that includes, sadly, that includes lying, that includes cheating, that includes um, being hateful to those in your life, you know, and, and I don't know if a lot of men know this one, but, you know, if you're being ugly to your wife, it actually hinders your prayers. I didn't say that God did, although those, that was my terminology for it. It's in the scriptures. I don't know what verse it's in, but it's in there. So, you know, if you're praying before God and you wonder why it seems like you're hitting a wall, nothing, maybe you might want to just pause and say, hmm, have I been nice to my wife lately? <laughs> okay, I had to plug the, for the girls here, you know. Okay, so I don't usually recommend any book besides the Bible, but in this teaching, I highly recommend you get the book called A More Excellent Way. Do you have that book? He encouraged me to get that book. I had to wait and order it because it wasn't in the bookstore. I've read it twice. I need to read it three more times because it's just so full. You just can't grasp it all. It's just a lot there. But it is um, by Dr. Henry Wright, and he goes into extensive details about why some people are sick and what the root cause of it is because God has a scripture for everything, you know. 
like envy is rottenness to the bones. Well, bone, your blood is created in your bones, the marrow of your bones. So if you're having blood sicknesses or blood disease, search your heart. Are you envious of someone or have you ever been envious of someone that you didn't repent about? I mean, that's just an example, you know, and, and it's true, you know. Breast cancer, you know, has to do with a relationship between a, a maternal woman in your life you know, close like a sister or a cousin or a mother or an aunt, you know, blood relation. And then the other breast has to do with a female maybe in your workplace or maybe your neighbor, but it's still a female. And, and if, you, if you trace that back, many times these women will admit, yeah, they've had a problem with a female in their life. And when they repent of that, God heals them. So, so that bitterness, that anger... And, and that resentment they're holding can actually cause them to be sick. Okay, so I'm going to read to you. I've got one more section here. I, won't, I don't want to take you too long on what time it is. Okay. Um, I made this list from the book on blocks to healing. I'll try to read them quickly to you. And if you think you're being blocked from receiving God's free covenant gift of healing, it's not works. It's a free gift through his blood, his blood that was shed on the cross. In fact, the thorns that went on his head were for your mental wellness too. I mean, he covered it all. He didn't miss anything. Um, if you think you're being blocked from receiving God's free covenant gift of healing, then ask God if anything applies to your life. If you are earnest and honest and totally willing, he will gladly answer you. We're not the witness God wants us to be if we're not well. Okay, so here are, here's my quick list of blocks to healing. Number one, and it doesn't surprise me at all that this was number one in the book, unforgiveness. So many people just don't want to let it go. And, and I know maybe you didn't deserve it. Maybe it was that you were, maybe you were totally in the right. They were totally in the wrong. But if you just give it to God, just let it go. And, and he's, the, he's the judge. Let him deal with it. Then it releases it from you, which takes that out of you, which allows your body to be at peace. Now, you know when you've actually forgiven someone when you really do care about their welfare, when you want them to be saved, when you want them to be well. You know, if you see they have a need, you actually help them with it. When you don't run from them in the grocery store or wherever you're at, you know, when you actually smile at them and you actually are willing to confront them without negative feelings. If you still have negative feelings, then search your heart and ask God to help you forgive because you need to do that. Okay, number two, lack of knowledge. I said that one. If you just don't know, then it only takes two seconds to ask God because he wants you to know. He will tell you. He, you know, you have the Holy Spirit in you. He's the great. He knows all. He's the, he is the teacher. So if there's something you didn't know, he already knows it. Okay, number three, maybe you don't have any relationship with God. And I'm not talking about you in here. I mean, some people, they don't have a relationship with God, but they just want to come and get something. You know? And by the way, sometimes God in his sovereignty will heal someone who is not under covenant with him, who is not saved. I was one of those. Because he wants you to see that he is real, that he does love you, that he does hear you, and then you decide what you're going to do when you get the result, a.k.a. my ears, Okay. I had bad ears as a kid, and they're not bad, but they always got infections, always. Always had a lot of pain. And when I got married and didn't have much money, couldn't go to the doctor, and I was in horrible pain, 
my ears were so bad I just want to hit my head against the wall it hurt so bad and it was such pressure I almost couldn't take it and I just cried out and I said Jesus if you're real help me and as soon as those words escaped my lips one ear popped the other one popped all the infection flowed out both sides and I don't want to make you sick it's pretty disgusting I had to go clean myself all up and there was this 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 well you know what it is it felt like I was on the beach and the ocean waves were blowing up it was the Holy Spirit but no one taught me these things so I didn't know that's what it was so once I cleaned all up and I I came you got myself dressed again and sat in my chair I was like stunned (laughs) because what did I say Jesus if you're real help me okay nobody was there nobody touched me and I'm I'm not saying people can't lay hands on the sick and they recover they do but in this case nobody laid hands on me my loving husband was sleeping. He didn't even know. And, you know, my cat didn't know what's up. So it was just me, really. Yeah. And, and he did that for me. So, and I was not saved at that time, or I wouldn't have said that prayer, if you're real. Okay? So in his sovereignty, he will heal people many times that are not saved. Because he loves them so much, he wants them to be saved. And that's the, I mean, how can they deny it was him? Okay. Um. Number four, personal and family sins. Some people have sins going on in their families and they're too ashamed to admit it or they just don't want to say anything and they don't realize that could be causing them physical sickness or problems. And I'm not going to say what they are because if it's anybody that's listening, you know what they are, okay? And all you have to do is repent. And it sounds really mean to me say it, but stop it. Stop sinning. Stop doing it. Okay, number five, some of them just don't have faith in God. You can say it, you can believe it yourself, but maybe they don't believe it. And they just kind of, you know, let you ramble on, okay, yeah, whatever you think, that's your thing, you know. But but then they go away sick, they're not well, because they don't believe it. I didn't set this thing up where you have to believe it and then receive it. I would like to receive it and then believe it, that's so easy. But that's not how God set this up. Number six, some of them just need to see a miracle. They're not willing to do whatever it is God wants them to do, or sometimes they just want to see something exciting, you know, which leads me to number seven, which says looking for signs and wonders. Some people are just trying to follow the excitement. They don't really want to be in relationship with God. They just want to see the cool stuff that happens. Well, you know, it's not cool if they're sick and they don't have the relationship with God that they need. Number eight, some of them expect God to heal on their own terms. Think Naaman. He wanted God to heal him on his terms. He wanted this guy to come out and make a big to-do over him because, after all, he's he's a special person, you know. He should have been recognized. And someone had the audacity to send a servant, tell him to go dip in that dirty old river. You know, he wanted it done his way. Well, it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes God will tell you to do something that doesn't even make sense. But if you're obedient and you do it, then you get the healing and the result that you wanted. Okay. Some are looking to a man rather than God. Now, don't be condemned if you go to a doctor. I've been to them too. But if you're only believing he's the only one that can help you and fix your problem, that's a problem. Because he's not the great physician. He's not God. He's only going to try to help you with what he knows, which he does know some things but he doesn't know your body like God does. Number 10, some people are not honest and transparent. They put on a face, they fake it, but in reality, okay, maybe they look all sweet when you're around them and then they get home and 
kick the dog and snarl at their husband and, you know, throw things around. I don't know what they do, but, you know, they need to be honest and transparent with God. Okay, God, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. This is, a, I need you to help me and help me to, you know, be delivered of this. And by the way, deliverance is a big deal because many of these are spirits that we have allowed into ourselves by our actions and our words. Number 11 is flagrant sin or habitual sin. You know, you can say you're sorry, but if you keep doing it, you're not really sorry. You know, if you smack somebody in the arm, you say you're sorry, and then you smack them again. You say you're sorry, and you smack them again. You say they're sorry. Well, they're probably going to smack you back by then, but they're going to know you're not sorry. Well, you know, God's not fooled either. If you keep saying forgive me, and then you do it again, you know, I know we fall. We're, we're you know, we, we make mistakes. I get that. But some people just keep doing it. I mean, maybe you have not seen these people, but I have. <laughs> okay, I won't, I won't name names, okay. <laughs> okay, robbing God in tithes and offerings. Now, you might say to yourself, what does that have to do with healing? Well, I'll tell you what it has to do with healing, because God said that if you would bring the tithes into the storehouse so that there would be meat in my house, you could prove him now herewith if he would not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing big, big enough to re- bigger than you can receive it, something like that. But it goes on to say, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Well, if you're not well, guess what? It's eating up your money. And, and rebuking the devourer is not just your money. It's your, it's your physical body, too. So I'm not saying because you, you didn't tithe, you're automatically going to be sick. But I'm saying that, you know, it'd be a good idea to tithe and do what God says because he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Okay. Some are just simply not saved. Okay. I already told you the story about my ears and I was not saved. Okay. Thank God I am now. Okay. Uh, sometimes the sickness is unto death. That's a hard one. I mean, God says he gives us three score and 10 years. That's 70 years and 80 with some trouble. In other words, 10 more with some trouble. Now, I have an aunt who's 91, God bless her. And, you know, you have the physical capacity to live to 120, they say, the scientists say. I mean, if God says 130, then you're going to be here till then. But for the most part, most people don't live over 100. I mean, some do, but very few. So if you've got a great Uncle Fred and he's uh, 98 years old and you love him to pieces and you want him to be here and you pray and he doesn't make it, well, it might have been his time to go. You know, just saying. <laughs> okay, number 17. Some people are looking to the symptoms and not to the healer. They keep paying attention to their symptoms and they're not going to believe that they're healed until the symptoms are gone. Well, it's just the opposite. What, what did I already say? You have to believe and then you receive. You know, the symptoms are still there when you're believing. It still hurts while you're believing. It still looks bad while you prayed. But you hang on to that. You keep speaking that. You keep believing that. And then you get it. Okay, number 18, letting fear enter your heart. Oh, that is a big one. I, don't, I, should, I should study this one. You probably know the answer. How many times... In the Bible, God says to fear not. I know it's a bunch, but I don't know the number. He says it all the time throughout the scriptures. Fear not, fear not, fear not, for I'm with you wherever you go. Fear not. And there's scripture that says men's hearts were failing them for fear. 
I truly believe a lot of people with heart problems are scared a lot. They're afraid a lot. And it, and it messes with the rhythm of their hearts and their blood pressures and all that stuff. I'm not the doctor here, but that's what I believe. Okay? So fear is a big one. In fact, if you're in fear, you're not in faith. Because it's, it's the opposite. You're actually believing the bad things instead of believing what God said. And perfect love casts out all fear. When you know God loves you perfectly, that he has not let you go, never left you, never forsaken you, that he hears you when you pray, he's right there on it, then you shouldn't have fear there. So fear is a big one. And, you know, if, if someone's in fear, they need to repent before God and say, Lord, I'm, I'm afraid, help me to not be afraid. And then he'll bring them to the scriptures is what he'll do because you faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word and the faith and the knowing that his love is there and that he's always going to be on your side it, it gets rid of the fear there's nothing to be afraid of when you know big daddy's behind me yeah. <laughs> you know I mean these things that confront you you know he's right there okay um, failure to get away in prayer and fasting some people are so tied up and, and trying to do so many things and so busy and so busy and so busy, they don't take the time to breathe long enough to even, even take five minutes with God to even find out what they should or should not be doing. They don't get into the word. They don't, they don't spend time at all. And it's not, I'm not condemning anybody because I've had days like that. But it does affect your body because God designed you to have time with him too, not just... 10 more projects that day to get done. And some things you need to, you need fasting. Some things you do because when you do that, and it doesn't have to be food, although <laughs> that's the hardest one for me. <laughs> it can be something you really like. Maybe a movie you like to watch every night, you know, a show or, or maybe a certain, uh, I don't know, game or thing that you like to play. Something you really like, you know, if you just set that aside and take that window of time to give that up for however many days God leads you to do so, then he will fill himself in those time slots that you were filling something else, and you will, you will hear from him a lot of times louder than you would have before. Let's just put it that way. Okay, number 20, improper care of the body. I can't stress this one enough. I don't condemn. It's not my job to do that, okay? I'm certainly not like the one who's got it all figured out. I have things I have to work on too, but I, you know, okay, I, I know a person who, first they like to smoke, and I'm not condemning anybody who does, but it's not good for the body. I think you could admit that. They like to smoke cigarettes, and then they switch to those um, e-cigarette things or whatever they are or whatever, whatever, and every time, now, they're baby Christians, but they don't, they don't go to church, they don't hang in the Word, so they really don't know much. But every time a virus or something comes around, they seem to catch it. And it takes them twice as long to get over it. And they're, they're I'm not judging, okay, don't misunderstand this. But they're still smoking those e-cigarettes through all this, <laughs> and the sneezing and the coughing and everything. And I'm thinking to myself, you just don't see you're doing it to yourself. <laughs> so sometimes people do it to themselves, you know, if they don't get enough sleep or if they eat the, the wrong things, I mean... It's okay to have a slice of cake. It's probably not okay to eat the whole cake, you know. <laughs> There's just, you know, self-control. Okay. Number 21, not discerning the Lord's body. Well, you know, the when we took the bread and the wine, 
you know, the Lord's Supper, that's reminding us of his broken body and his shed blood. His shed blood for sins, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And since he shed his perfect blood, our sins are totally forgiven. Okay? But the body, the bread, that's the breaking of his body for our bodies. So our bodies don't have to be broken. And sometimes people don't discern the truth of that. They don't really get it. Well, that's pretty, in a nutshell, what it is. Okay, number 22, touching God's anointed leaders. Now, I have to say, I've had to repent of this one because there have been preachers on TV who have said things, and I thought, well, that was stupid. I can't believe God uses that one. And hmm, that's not the thing to say because if they're, if, they're be, if they're anointed and God is using them, he's going to teach them their mistakes. He's going to lovingly correct them. It's not Barb's job to do that. So I, you know, I've had to repent of that one because I've heard some pretty wild things out there coming out of pastor's mouths. And I thought, really, you're teaching people that, but you know, we're not supposed to, you know, the world would say talk smack. We're not supposed to talk smack about pastors and, and leaders, you know, presenters of the gospel. That's God's job to do that. That's his kids. He corrects his own, not my job to correct them. Okay. Um, Number 23, immoderate eating. Okay, there you go with that cake. It's okay to have a slice, but probably not the whole cake. <laughs> Sometimes we have to learn those things the hard way when we feel really sick afterwards. <laughs> Can you tell I've done it? Okay, I've asked for forgiveness too. Not the whole cake, but eating way too much of something that was not a good idea. Number 24, pure unbelief. Okay, I mean, they just it don't matter what you say, they are not going to believe you. Well, it's a satanic block. It's the devil blocking and blinding them to the truth. Because if they knew the truth, they wouldn't act that way. They would, they would get their healing. They would see it for what it is. That's why many times when I pray for people, I pray the Lord will open their eyes to the truth. They can't escape my prayers. <laughs> Number 26, not resisting the enemy. Okay, many people just don't resist. They get something going on with their body, and they just, they just believe it. They just go with it, you know. Oh, I guess I just gotta have to do this. I guess I'm gonna have to make an appointment. Probably have to go buy some expensive cream, and you know, probably have to do this, that, and the other. They've already accepted it. They they haven't resisted it at all. Number twenty-seven, just giving up. I've heard people do that one. They just they just give in and they give up. Well, it's probably not going to be healed if you give up. Twenty-eight, looking for repeated healings instead of divine health. There are people who get healed, and then the symptom comes back, and instead of standing their ground, they just let it come back, and then they stand in line to get healed again. But God's true desire for you is to not get sick in the first place, to give you wisdom and understanding and, and help you to do the right things for your body and for your spirit and for your mental mind, will, and emotions to not be sick in the first place. Because that's really where this whole lesson comes from is being a witness and presenting the gospel and, you know, asking people if they need healing and they want prayed for and all these things. Well, what kind of an example would you be if you're like snotting all over the place yourself? You know, I'm sorry. That's the truth. Now, I'm not saying that hasn't happened to me. And I've had to stand on the word, even though it looked bad for a few days. That's standing your ground. Okay. Number 29, rejecting healing is part of the covenant for today. I, I told you there, I've been in churches like that. They just don't believe it's for today. Number 30, trying to bypass the penalty of the curse. 
They want to keep sinning, even though the curse tells you what you get if you don't follow God. You know, God says, follow me, and you get all the good stuff. Don't follow me, and this is what you're going to get. And that list of curses is pretty bad. I don't think I'd want to even touch that camp. But some people want to keep doing what they want to do and just think they can get away with it and bypass the curse. Well, they're not going to bypass it. <laughs> God's word is true. He's not mocked. His word is true. Number 31, I've been guilty of this, murmuring and complaining. Murmuring and complaining. It was recently there was a situation in my life where I have been pulled like Gumby in one direction a lot. And it wasn't my idea. It wasn't my plan, but it's how life took me because of some of my family and things going on. And, you know, God told me out of love to, to continue to love them, continue to do what you're doing. And I just was walking out my door one day and started complaining. <laughs> Lord, I'm so tired of this. I'm so done with this. I just want to be home. I don't want to do this anymore. Wine, 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 you know. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit just stopped me. And he said, but I need you and I'm using you. And then I realized it. Then it, then it clicked with me. The person that was hanging around was hungry for the word and kept asking me questions. And it kept coming out of my mouth when they would ask me. It kept coming out of my mouth when they would ask me. And they aren't going to church. They aren't hearing it anywhere else. And then I realized, you know, as, as, as uncomfortable as it is for me, he was getting glory out of that. So I needed to stop whining and complaining. So I repented of that one. Yeah. Okay, now I didn't get sick over it, but I was whining and complaining. Okay, number 32, hating and not obeying instruction. It's bad enough when you see a little kid do it, but when an adult does that, you just want to smack them. Like, really? I didn't say I did. I said you want to, okay? They don't want to hear instruction. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to do what the right thing is. In fact, they think they know how to do it better than you do, and they're in all this problem and this trouble that they're going through. They think they got this figured out. You know, I have one that says, looks at me, right at me, says, I got this. I'm thinking, no, you don't. Okay. Number 33, past and continued involvement with the occultism. This is, it should be obvious, but some people it's not. If at any time in your past you have done seances, you've played with a Ouija board, you've gone, had your palm read, you've uh, checked out a crystal ball or two, or, you know, you've uh, had a, a seance and tried to talk to the dead and all these kind of crazy things, you know, the Bible specifically tells you not to do that. And when you do, you're allowing demonic spirits to come in and they can wreak havoc on your mind, your will, your emotions, and your body. So you have to repent of those things. So I'm going to finish this up because I see the clock. Okay. So to sum it up, if you've given your heart to Jesus and therefore you're saved, healing is already done for you. It's your job to believe it, speak it, and stand your ground. Confess any sin that might be in the way of your healing and don't give up. It's your house. It's your body. It's your life. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So in order to fulfill the purpose that God has for you to be here on the earth, you obviously need a healthy physical body to do so. And now I'll let you have your night back.
remember to seek first the kingdom of God and his